praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Some people told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with the blood of their sacrifices. Jesus said to them in reply, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were greater sinners than all other Galileans? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 people who were killed when the tower at Siloam fell on them. Do you think they were more guilty than everyone else who lived in Jerusalem? By no means. But I tell you, if you you do not repent, you'll all perish as they did. And Jesus told them this parable. There once was a person who had a fig tree planted in his orchard. And when he came in search of fruit on it but found none, he said to the gardener, For three years now I have come in search of fruit on this fig tree but have found none. So cut it down. Why should it exhaust the soil? The gardener said to him in reply, Sir, leave it for this year also, and I shall cultivate the ground around it and fertilize it. It may bear fruit in the future. If not, you can cut it down. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. A tree is a tree is just a tree. For most people in their busy lives, as they go from here to there, doing their, getting everything done that they need to get done, they pass by a tree and they're kind of happy that it's green, happy that it offers a moment, of, a little place of shade, and once in a while, happy that it's got a flower on it or a little piece of fruit. But generally, for most people, they don't pay much attention to trees. A tree is just a tree is just a tree. <laughs> Unless, of course, that tree happens to find itself in a Bible story, then it's more than a tree. So young Moses finds himself out in the desert of Midian, tending of all things a bunch of sheep, the sheep of his father-in-law. He must have asked himself as he's tending those sheep, how did I get here? (laughs) What did I do to deserve this? Well, actually, Moses did a lot to deserve that. It wasn't his fault that he was born a Hebrew. It wasn't his fault that his, the, the, the Pharaoh said, let all the young boys that are born be thrown into the river. It wasn't his fault, of course, that he had a loving mother who put him in a basket and put him to float in that river, hoping that somebody important would come by and save him. Happily for Moses, you know, the queen comes by, she sees the baby, she takes him home, and she raises him almost as her own. 
So Moses lives a young life filled with all kinds of good things. He's kind of a spoiled rich kid, perhaps. He doesn't know much about his Hebrew roots. He can tell he's different from the, from the, from the Egyptians, but hey, I've got a nice Ferrari outside, so what the heck. <laughs> he's rich. He's got everything. He's the apple of the queen's eye. And all of that comes to a crashing end when Moses... One day, when he's taking a leisurely walk around, dressed in his Egyptian clothes, enjoying his Egyptian life, sees another Egyptian bullying and beating up and threatening a poor little Hebrew guy. And it makes him really, really mad. This Moses evidently has some anger issues to deal with because he gets a knife and he goes and he kills that Egyptian guy out in the desert and buries him in the sand. And then word spreads and that's the end of his life as a rich kid. He gets chased out into the desert, finds a wife, marries her, tends sheep, and that's the end of his life as a rich kid and the beginning of his life as a nobody. While he's tending those sheep, Young Moses leads them around up to the top of Mount Horeb, probably better grass up there, perhaps. But he should be a little bit cautious about climbing mountains because God has a way of doing things on mountains that that tend to upset lives. So Moses goes up the mountain with his sheep. He gets to the top of the mountain, Mount Horeb. And what does he see but a tree? Not a big tree. Not a fancy tree, not a fruit-bearing tree, not even a tree that's giving anybody any shade, but a tree that is burning up, a tree that is on fire, (laughs) a tree that is on fire without being exhausted. Most of all, Moses sees there that tree, and the tree talks to him. It's got a voice. This must have set Moses back on his feet. He approaches carefully, and the voice says to him, Stop right there, mister. Take off your shoes. You think you're going to walk through my household with those dirty shoes on? You better think again. (laughs) So Moses stops, takes off his shoes, and the voice in the bush that is burning says to him, Come no further. I'm the God of your fathers. I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Jacob. I'm the God of Joseph. I'm the God of all those people that have gone before you. And then the voice says something very, very, very important. This voice of God. Moses must be wondering, you know, am I seeing things? Am I, you know, fantasizing? Am I, you know, am I having a dream? What's going on here? The voice is very clear. I'm the God of your forefathers, or foremothers for that matter. But far more importantly, I am a God who cares. I have seen the suffering of your people, just as you did when you killed that poor Egyptian. He wasn't so poor, he was beaten up on one of your people. I have seen the suffering and the slavery of your people, and I've heard their cries, and I want to adopt them as my own. I want them to be my special children. I want them to be my special family. So I'm going to come close and I'm going to lead them out of slavery and, and I'm going to give them a promised land flowing with milk and honey and it's all going to be wonderful. The only problem is I'm God 
and you can't get that close to me. It's kind of like coming close to the sun. It's good. I'm good, but don't get too close. So I'm going to use you, Moses, to lead my people to the promised land. Moses says, well, uh, that's all fine and good, God of my forefathers. But why would they believe me? I don't have any talents. I'm just a shepherd now. And God's voice says, well, you leave that to me. And Moses says, so who am I supposed to tell these people has sent me? And this is really important because God gives Moses his trading card. He gives him his business card. He gives him his very name. And for the Hebrew culture, to give someone your name is to give them your very self, your heart, your soul, your identity, your being. God says to Moses, you tell those guys back there in Egypt, suffering in their slavery, that the God of their forefathers has sent you, but even more you tell them, my name is simply I am. I am who I am. So there's a few important things about God that are revealed in this story. One is that God cares about us. Now this is way, 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 way back in the beginning. You know the book of Exodus, it's you know Genesis, Exodus, so this is way, way back. It's a revelation. Our God cares about our tears. Our God cares about our sufferings. Our God cares about our slavery. And that's an extraordinary thing to know. This is a God with a heart. It's not just a God floating around like all the other gods and goddesses of their neighbors, like the gods of the Egyptians. This is a God with compassion in his heart for us. Second important thing, this God draws close to us and promises to help us and to serve us and even to save us. That's a big thing. A God who draws close to us, not too close, but close enough to save us. This is a God who uses people to accomplish his will, like Moses. And most of all, this is a God with a name. I am. And it's that name, it's that name that tells us that we are supposed to look forward about 4,000 years to a carpenter from Nazareth who uses that very saved name himself. In the Gospel of John, seven times Jesus says, I am. I am the Good Shepherd. I am the Vine. I am this, I am that. Each time that I am is written in capital letters in the Gospel of John because Jesus is sharing his name, God's name, with his people. Twice in the Gospel of John, Jesus doesn't even add any adjectives. He simply says, I am. What's Jesus doing here? He's identifying himself with the very same business card, the very same name that God used in the great story of Moses and the burning tree, the burning bush. I am. But there's a difference now. 
Jesus takes God's identity, God's name, God's compassion, God's mercy, God's closeness to his people, and he doubles and trebles it infinitely so. So with Jesus, this God who hears the cry of the poor becomes a God who not only cares about it from far away, from a distance, from above, but comes and cries with them himself, who weeps with them himself, who experiences the slavery itself, who experiences the pain itself of life under slavery, of life in poverty. Jesus doesn't just hear the cry of the poor. Jesus joins the poor in crying out. Jesus wipes their tears with human hands. Jesus speaks words of consolation to them with human words. Jesus embraces them with human arms, flesh, and blood in their poverty and in their suffering and indeed in their slavery. Jesus does not choose someone else like Moses to be his agent with the people. God himself in Jesus' flesh and blood is his own agent for accomplishing his will. And maybe most important of all, this Jesus says to the people of his time, I am, yes, I am God, I am divine, and yet it is I also who are human with you. Unlike the story of the burning bush where the voice of God tells Moses to stand back, to take off his shoes, to come no closer, Jesus comes closer. Jesus says, come you to me, I'll come to you. So close that we can embrace each other heart to heart, tear to tear, cry to cry, suffering to suffering, joy to joy. From that tree in the desert on Mount Horeb that is in flames with God's presence to the last tree in all of the Gospels set not on Mount Horeb but on Mount Calvary, Jesus opens his arms, flesh and blood, and calls us into himself, even as he receives us and gives himself to us. Salvation in this new story with this new tree on this new mountain, there is nothing distant about it. There's nothing far away about it. There's nothing God up there and us poor people down here about it. With Jesus, the new I am, the new Savior of humanity, God's compassion, God's love, God's mercy is made flesh and wraps its arms around us. We are brought into the very midst of the burning bush of God's love for us. Perhaps for us now, these 
many centuries later, we experience that embrace of God's love and mercy, His compassion, His care, His leading us to the promised land. In all kinds of different ways, when we hear His word in the scriptures, when we encounter His love on other people who care for us, no matter what, our parents, our family members, our husbands and wives, our children, and certainly when we extend our hands out to receive the very body of Christ, the presence of God, the great I am in the most humble form imaginable. And to it all we say a simple Amen.